Thank you, thank you, thank you, Karen. I just saw Laverne's mother and I wanted to point her up before you did the Karen, so you went ahead of me. But Laverne's mom, thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you so much. Erica, thank you for also coming to be with us and cherish. Thank you. Onisa, it is so good to see you back with us or to see you with us, actually. Um, we know that you have suffered a loss and we mourn with you. And we are glad that God has allowed you to come back and be with us. So I say welcome again to my mother and to Reverend Bolt and Mrs. Bolt. Also to Karen, to Sheena, to Laverne, I mentioned your mother. And Angela, I cannot leave you out. Thank you for being here. It is a, it is a joy to be back. I just smiling, <laughs> just smiling, smiling. Just to be back, you, you would never understand um, what it feels like to be back home. It is, it is good to be there and it is good to come back home. Every Sunday, I realize when, I, when it is time for NLA to start and we, we have to be moving out for an evening, we're at an evening crusade, I said, oh, NLA must be going on right now. But I'm at an evening crusade somewhere. Somewhere, somewhere preparing to minister somewhere or to support someone else who is ministering. But it's a privilege to be back and it's a joy to be back. And it's good to go because you get to be missed. You know, when somebody is there, every time you don't miss them, but when they go, you get an opportunity to miss them. Thank you. So this morning is our Vision Sunday. And on Vision Sunday, what I sense the Lord uh, asked me to share, each time we have a Vision Sunday, which we try to have minimum three times per year, is to speak about the vision. As a leader, it is, it is important that I keep recasting the vision so to remind you of what God has called us to do. What, why is NLH in existence? Why didn't not God scatter us or spread us over other churches? Because we could have functioned and functioned well in other churches. But he chose to have an NLH and he gave us a vision and he gave us a mission. And he wants me ever often to recast the vision to remind us what he has called us to do. So this morning, I just want to, to, to ask you to just to close your eyes with me and let me just thank the Lord for his, his, his presence, his manifested presence, and to invite him to, to remain with us this morning. Father, we thank you. God, every time I get an opportunity to say thank you, Lord, it brings so much joy to my spirit, God. Lord, you have brought me from the place where I thought that giving thanks was only when I have a lot to give thanks for. But Lord, I have learned that life, I'm at the age and stage, God, that just to wake up in the morning, I, I don't overlook that anymore. Anymore, I give you thanks. Just the fact that I'm together with my sisters and my brother, God, I do not overlook that. I give thanks. Just the fact that you chose me, as I, as, as I can say, like others can say, a little girl out of old Arbor. God didn't even understand what purpose was or what purpose could have been yet you chose me father the truth is that i would say to the people in kenya i say to nlh this morning a, a, a girl that was born in a teenage who, who developed in a teenage womb 
God can use. And for that, I give you thanks. Father, you knew more about us individually than we could ever know about ourselves. The truth is, Father, if we all stop this morning to look at the possibilities or to look at what you have done, God, our past life and our present life does not compare. The gulf between the past and the present, we would wonder, God, is this you? Is this you truly working in me? God, did you really choose me? When there are others who are far more qualified, when there are others who come with more, but God, I say thank you this morning. And so, Father, I thank you for your word that you will speak through me. I thank you, Father, that you have a word for your people. And everyone who is here this morning needs to hear what you have to say. And so, Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the transformed hearts. I thank you for the challenge. As Tashina said, it's going to be a challenge, Tashina. Yes, it's going to be a challenge, Tashina. It's going to be a challenge, Tashina. Thank you, Father, for what you're going to say to us this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. So while I was in Kenya, two weeks ago when I was in Kenya, I felt the Lord gave me the topic. Where are you? And the truth is, where are you can be preached in so many different ways. And if and, and as, as each of us know, because we have been sharing over a while, some of us two years, some more, some less, we recognize that depending on the audience, God can use a scripture to do a whole lot, just depending on the audience. And so I thought in Kenya, I was going to get an opportunity to speak, where are you at a revival, which will be speaking predominantly to the unsaved. But God, every time I am to speak, that's not what he gave me. He gave me something else that I had to prepare to speak. But as I came home, on Wednesday night, I heard the question in my head again, where are you? And so I said, God, clearly it is for the NLH team, for the NLH group, for the NLH congregation and ministry and church that you want to ask that question. And so if I was in Kenya, I would have said, Ukowapi. But because I am not in Kenya and I am in America where we speak English, the question is, where? are you? Where are you? The background of Genesis 3 starts out where in Genesis 2, 25, 26, we see where God created man and woman in his image. And the scripture said they were naked and unashamed. Then we see where God gives God, God gave Adam, the, told them to go ahead and be fruitful and multiply. And he spoke to Adam about not eating from the fruit in the God, from the tree of good and evil. Genesis 3, which I will not be reading because I'm going to leave it for you to read. You see where the, the serpent came and he tempted Eve and she ate of the fruit. And the scripture said their eyes became open. And they realized that they were naked and ashamed. And now they were ashamed. So a man and a woman who was naked before, vulnerable before, bare before, had no reservation, had it was okay with walking and talking with their creator. 
Now their eyes were open and they felt naked and ashamed. My emphasis this morning from that text will be verse nine, where God, where God goes walking, actually from verse eight, God goes walking in the garden, but Adam and Eve were hiding because as I said before, they felt naked. They felt ashamed. They felt vulnerable. They felt as if they could not stand before God and they, and, and they, there's this need to cover and hide. And so in verse nine, the Lord called out to man. He called out to Adam, depending on which translation. And he says, where are you? Because we are Jamaicans, he would say, where are you there? Adam, where are you there? Where are you there, Adam? Where are you? And so the question that comes to my mind after looking at it is, why is it important to know where you are? Why was it important for God to know where Adam was? Why is it important where you are? And you can say to yourself, why is it important for me to know where I am? Why is it important? You and I ask questions mostly because we do not know the answers. But I can guarantee you that every time God asks a question, he already knows the answer. You and I ask questions sometimes because we do not know. And there are times when we know, but we ask. But the times that we, most times we do not know. But every single time God asks a question, he already knows the answer. In Psalms 139, David tells us that the infinite God knows everything. He is omnipresent, he is, he is omnipotent, he is omniscient, he is present everywhere and he's all powerful. It therefore means that God knows your physical location and he knows mine. He knows who is in Jamaica, he knows who is in Florida, he knows those of us who are in, in, in New York, he knows where you are. He knows your desires and he knows the motives of our hearts. Then if God knows everything, why would God say to Adam, where are you? If God knows where you are right now in Florida, Jamaica, New York, wherever, why would God ask you, where are you? God's questions are no different from a parent who knows the answer. Yet ask a question of the child he already knows, such as John, did you eat the cookie? The cookie is all over John's face. But you, as a parent, you say, did you eat the cookie? You realize that Mary did not do her homework. But you say, Mary, did you finish your homework? Even though you know the answer. Where are you is the first recorded question God asked in the Old Testament. And his question is no exception. Actually, the first question in the, old, in the, in the, in the scripture is when, at, is when Satan asked Eve, I was about to say Satani. 
you know, Satan is for a different audience. That's for my Kenyan audience and my Tanzanian audience. <laughs> so God, Satan said to, 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 to Eve, did God say, did God really say? That was the first question recorded in, in scriptures. But the first question that God asked is, where are you? And he directs this question towards Adam for various reasons. Let us examine the reasons. God wanted to begin a conversation that draws Adam out from where he was into a deeper relationship with him. So the possibility exists that God is saying to you this morning, where are you? Because he wants to begin a conversation with you by drawing you from where you are into a deeper relationship with him. Another purpose is that God does this to shed light on Adam's spiritual condition, where he was and why he was there. Because Adam was not hiding before their eyes became open. So again, the possibility exists that for God to say to you, where are you? He wants to shed light on your spiritual condition. Maybe where you are is not where you're supposed to be. Or maybe where you are, he's saying it's time to move out from where you are because I have another plan for you. Another reason is that God wants Adam to identify and to reflect on the proximity between his spiritual condition and God's standard. There's a gulf sometimes between where God wants you to be or where God purposes you to be or where God knows you are to be from where you actually are. God wanted to demonstrate his love for Adam. And so he goes seeking him out and saying, Adam, where are you? God revealed who he was, who he is, and he wanted Adam to also know, Adam, you are my creation who I love. Another purpose was that God wanted to challenge Adam to wrestle with the question, where are you? And Adam may be wondering, is it that he can't find me? Is, is, it, that it, it is, is it that I'm playing hide and seek with God and he needs to come to search to find me? But God wanted Adam to wrestle with the question so that he can scrutinize his position and the motives of his heart to decipher the answer and be transformed by its truth. All those purposes that I gave you, one may just resonate with you. Where are you? Why is God asking you that question? And so as I prepare this message, I ask myself, if every question God asks is, ask is to achieve a purpose, what is God's purpose in asking you and I, members and visitors of NLH, the same question he asked Adam, where are you? And if where we are is so important to God, why is it? not important to us. Where is my position 
my emotional state, my spiritual maturity, my character not important to me if it is important to God. The question, where are you, is never because God is unaware of our physical location and wants to glean information from us. Instead, the question, where are you, is for you and I to decipher where we are individually and corporately in accomplishing God's vision and mission for NLH. And so because this Sunday, as I said, is our vision Sunday, where we recast the vision and mission that God has given us, I want someone this morning to share with me, what is the vision of NLH? What is the vision that God has given to NLH? Go ahead, un unmute yourself and shout out one person. What is NLH's vision? I'm assuming that silence means that we do not know. Then I'm going to move on. What is the mission statement of NLH? So if we do not know the vision and the mission of NLH, we do not know where we are going. We do not know what our roles are. We would not have known when and if we have achieved the goals. So this morning, I just want to put on my, I just want to share with you the, my, the, the mission and vision statement of NLH so that you can see what God wants us to know so that we can do what God wants us to do. So look on your screen. I had my hand up because I remember one of it, to give new life. I'm not looking on the screen. I just remember that part. To give new life. That's the vision, right? See, I'm not looking on the screen. I just remembered it. I had a brain lapse. Forgive me. It's okay. So I answered pastor, right? Okay, we're going to read it together. The vision of NLH is to give new life. And the way we give new life is to create opportunities for individuals, including you and I, to know God experientially. What does that mean? It means that opportunities are created, like the cruise, like our time together, like our, 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 our retreats, like our missions, the different times that we come together to create an atmosphere, an environment where we come to meet God and to experience God. We are positioned to serve. So you will get an opportunity to share the good news of God with others, with each other. You get to, to minister. You get to, to, to love me and to tell me that you miss me and, and, and cause me to rub my skin until I, my skin became red. Because I get nervous when, I get, when attention is given to me. That's the only time I find myself very nervous. We get to fulfill our purpose and to maximize redemptive potential. Because remember, our potential before the fall of Adam and Eve, we would never have known what we could have been prior to sin. 
But this redemptive potential, God is saying, I'm allowing you to maximize it according to his plan and his purpose. I want you to make note of it because I may ask you at another time. So what is God saying to you and I this morning? God is saying that the new life is a phase from new birth to spiritual maturity. It is a process of ongoing transformation that cannot be accomplished unless you and I learn to be led more by the Holy Spirit, one, to lead more like Jesus, two, and to lead more to Jesus, three. I will repeat, new life is an ongoing transformation. It's a phase from new birth, the moment we give our life to Christ, to, the, to, to, to the, our ending phase of spiritual maturity, which is at the place where God makes us totally new. Because remember, the old man is gone, the new man is here. But there's a process, there's a sanctification process, ongoing sanctification process that transforms us. However, the mission and vision of NLH can never be accomplished unless you and I learn to be led more by the Holy Spirit, to lead more like Jesus, and to lead more to Jesus. You notice the word more is there for a reason. Because you and I can lead by our own self, right? We can lead people by our own strength and our ability. But the mission of NLH is not your strength, it's not my strength. It's not your ability, it's not my ability. It is learning to, be, to, to lead more by the Holy Spirit. To be led, sorry, more by the Holy Spirit. It is learning to lead more like Jesus. So there is a pattern, there is a standard for us to follow each time. And learning to lead more. Not one five years ago that I led to Christ. But each time as we lead more like Jesus, we lead more and more people to Jesus. Giving new life is the standard God has called us to achieve. It's our mission. And if you speak, go to other churches, every church will have its mission to complete, to further the kingdom of God. And so new, for us here at New Life Horizon Church, the standard for us to achieve is to give new life. But we cannot give new life to others unless we know how it is to be done. You and I experientially know God when we learn to be led more by the Holy Spirit. We serve. So look at the difference. I'm, I'm breaking down the mission statement for you to understand how it works. So we initially, I said, we, we create opportunities for persons to experientially know God, individuals. You and I experientially know God when we learn to be led more by the Holy Spirit. So we cannot experientially know God unless we are being led by the Holy Spirit. We serve in authentic and loving relationships when we learn to live like Jesus. 
we fulfill our purpose and maximize our redemptive potential when we are led by the Holy Spirit, when we live like Jesus, and when we lead more to Jesus. So the first point I want to look at this morning is where are you in being led more by the Holy Spirit? And I want you to reflect on it. Where are you? Where are you in your submission? Where are you in your following? Where are you in being led more by the Holy Spirit? Being led implies following. And for us to be led, it means that we have to follow the will of another. You and I will only follow someone we trust, right? Can a stranger come and say to you, follow me to a place? You will not go, right? Will someone you do not trust say to you, come, follow me. I'm walking on a dead road or I'm going to a, to a place. Would you follow them? No. Yeah. We won't. Therefore, to follow the Holy Spirit requires trust, requires faith in God, requires obedience to God, and total surrender to God. Following the Holy Spirit requires trust. It requires faith in God, obedience to God, and total surrender to God. And you may wonder, how do I totally surrender? How do I put all my trust in God? If we cannot trust God, if we cannot obey God, if we cannot totally surrender to God, we cannot be led by the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.14 tells us that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. And all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. What a distinction. It's a separation of the sheep and the goats. Your ability or inability to be led by the Holy Spirit dictates if you are sons of God. Galatians 5.18 says that those who are led by the Spirit are not under the obligation of the law. Therefore, only those who are sons of God, who are no longer under the obligation of the law, will allow themselves to be led by the Holy Spirit. So watch your trust. Do you really trust him? Where are you in your trust in God? Where are you in your faith in God? Where are you with your surrender to God? Galatians 5.16 tells us that believers in Jesus are instructed to live a life of walking by and being led by the Spirit. Therefore, it means that we follow the divine guidance, direction, and ways of the Holy Spirit. We walk in sync, not before him, not walking beside him as if he's our equal, 
but walking in sync with him as the sovereign and divine guide. The Holy Spirit, according to John 14, 26, teaches the followers of Christ everything, all things, and he brings to remembrance all that Jesus has said. He counsels us to make wise decisions. He instructs us in the way we are to walk by not giving into the temptations and the seductions of the flesh, but by depending on God rather than on self. The Holy Spirit knows the thoughts of God, according to 1 Corinthians 2, verse 11. Where are you? If you are not being led by the Holy Spirit, where are you? And if you are being led by the Holy Spirit, where are you? The Holy Spirit, according to 1 Corinthians 3.16, is God's presence in the lives of believers. He dwells in believers. because he, And because he dwells in us, he creates opportunities for us to experientially know the Father. Because you are led by the Holy Spirit or when you are led by the Holy Spirit, opportunities are created by the Holy Spirit for you to know the Father. We want to know the Father's heart? Allow ourselves to be led by the Holy Spirit. You want to know what the, Lord, the Father's purposes are for you and, you and what plans he has for you? Have faith. Obey. Surrender. You and I have difficulty being led when the way seem unclear. And you, we know that. When we are uncertain. When the current situation is filled with grief, pain, and disappointment. When we are uncertain about the next step. It's difficult to be led. Because we want to make the decision. We want to have the final say. We want to have an input in our, in, in, our, in our destiny. And so God comes to us in the midst of the day and he says, where are you? Are you being led by the Holy Spirit? Jesus demonstrates in Matthew 4 verse 1 what it looks like to be led. He was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Jesus trusted the plan of his father for his life, despite what it appeared to be. Imagine 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. And Jesus, the scripture says, he was led into the wilderness to be tempted. It therefore means that times of difficulties in our lives are moments when we are being led by the Holy Spirit. Jesus allowed himself to be led because he had faith in his father, faith in his father's ability, faith in his father's leading, and faith in his father's love. Our inability to be led reveals our lack of faith in the father. Reveals our lack of faith in our Father's ability, in His love, and in His leading. If we have faith in the Father, we will allow the Holy Spirit to lead us wherever and whenever He chooses. 
The Holy Spirit works in our lives to make us more like Jesus. However, to be led requires the willingness to follow. Where are you in being led more by the Holy Spirit? Where are you in being led more by the Holy Spirit to live and lead like Jesus? My second point this morning is where are you in learning to live more like Jesus? To live more like Jesus requires that his mission becomes our mission. I thought about my life and what God could possibly be doing. And a week before I left for Tanzania, I wasn't sure if I was going. It, the plan wasn't clear before me. I had this sensing in my spirit that I was going. But the evidence that supports my going wasn't present. And right where you are, there are situations in your life that you may be wondering. Where is God in my situation? But instead, God is saying to you, where are you in learning to live more like Jesus? Jesus' focus was his father. Romans 12, 1 tells us that we can only live and lead like Jesus if we daily offer our minds, our hearts, and our bodies as a living sacrifice to the obedience of God. You notice God is not interested in a dead sacrifice. He wants a sacrifice with the ability to think and to move and to wrestle with him as Jacob wrestled. And he's saying to you this morning, for you to live like Jesus, your focus must become the focus of Jesus. For us to live more like Jesus, it requires ongoing character development. It requires a balance of grace with repentance because short accounts must be kept. It requires that love and humility, compassion, courage, patience, faithfulness. It requires a servant heart. I remember when I was in Kenya. And the Kenyans have a, a, do not know. Um, they, 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 they do not have a sense of space. So they, so they stand extremely close. It's as if they are standing in the same square tile that you're standing. And I remember finding myself shifting up because one, I'm thinking of COVID. Two, I'm thinking of any other disease. And three, I want my own space. And I remembered after ministering and people came up and they were shaking hands and they were, and I realized persons were wiping their hands with, sanitizer and I as, I as I stretched to get the sanitizer the Lord said to me are you so quick to remove the people from you am I so quick to remove the trace of the people from me 
And I had to stop and think because Jesus, there was no mention of Jesus pushing away people because of their smell, because of their sicknesses, because of their cleanliness. Actually, in the scripture, people of every sickness, every infirmity, everything came to Jesus. There was never a mention of him keeping a distance from them. And God said to me, for you to serve my people the way I serve them, you can't keep wiping off and sanitizing. You can't keeping yourself at a distance when it is convenient for you. For you to serve the way I serve, for you to live the way that I live, you must embrace the people the way I embrace them. You must love them the way I love them, despite the infirmity. I remember ministering to a man. Oh my God, I just never thought of it. Ministering to the man, and I see the man just reaching out. I'm seeing he's just there crying, he's just weeping. And I was fine while, while he was weeping until I saw the, 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 the mucus running from his nose. And it's a long string of mucus. And I see the mucus going towards my hand. And I say, no, I don't want it on my hand. And I walked away. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, you are, you are not ready for this. Because you left the man in the midst of his moment of being delivered because of mucus. That was in the week, the Sunday the pastor called me and he said that I wanted to minister to this man, the same man again. And as I started to pray, I start, and I started to pray and I closed my eyes and I started to pray and I'm praying and I'm praying and I'm praying and the, something said to me, open your eyes. And there the mucus was coming again for my hand. One long string of mucus, at least eight inches long, unbroken. And I'm there and, I, and, 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 and I'm asking people, pass the tissue, pass the tissue, pass the tissue. So right there, I'm, I, I'm becoming distracted by this mucus again. And as I prepared, I hear God say to me, where are you in living like I did? Because mucus, the woman with the issue of blood, the demonic man, the dead, Lazarus was died dead for four days. No doubt, very smelly. God told him, roll away the stone. And he went forth and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And he's saying to me and he's saying to you, if we are not living and willing to live the way he lives, he said, you are not ready for this. So it's beautiful to say that I've gone on missions and I've been to here and I've ministered and I've led people to the Lord. But the truth is, if I have not lived like Jesus on the mission field, the question is, where are you? To live like Jesus, according to John 5, 18 to 20, is to depend on the Father and to do his will.
the song that Tashina played this morning said, so will I. If you gave your life to love them, so will I. We sing the song. If you gave your life to love them, Lord, so will I. But the truth is, Jesus says, I only do what I see my father doing. So if he sees his father hugging those with, 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 with sores, he's going to hug them. If he sees his father hugging them and allowing the mucus to run on his shoulder and on his clothes, he's going to do it because he's not perturbed by mucus the way I am. Jesus depended on his father and did only what he saw his father doing. He had no other purpose, no other agenda. Actually, Jesus didn't announce, oh, I'm in Judea. I'm in, I am in, I, I, I am in, I am in um, Jerusalem. He never announced where he was. It wasn't, it was, it wasn't the thing to do for him to be traveling. The way we speak about us traveling and we are going on missions. No, that's not how he did it. Everything he did was aimed at giving the father glory and making his father known. What is your focus? When God uses you to minister to someone, when he uses you to lead someone to him, when he uses you to pray and someone is healed, what is your focus? What is forefront on your mind? Is it you or him? Where are you this morning in learning to live like Jesus? Because Jesus was a servant. Are you more focused in accomplishing your will than the Father's will? What needs to change in you? Where do you need to grow? What character flaw is evident in you? That when you look at your life and compare it with Jesus' life, the gulf is so wide. The proximity of your standard and God's standard is so great. What do you need to do more of? Where are you in allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you to live like Jesus so that you may lead more persons to Jesus? And that's my third point. Where are you in learning to lead more persons to Jesus? All of us, the truth is, if we ask, did you lead someone to the Lord? Most of us would have said, yes, we led someone to the Lord at some point or the other. And the truth is, we, we may be able to remember, I, 19, 9, 1998, 2005, I was there, or we may say 2018, or we may even say 2021, 2022, January. We led someone to the Lord. The truth is, if I did not go on missions, my story may have been like yours. I am fortunate to be on missions and give, God give, gave me an opportunity to share and persons gave their life to the Lord. 
And if I had not gone, my story would have been sometime, sometime this earlier this year. Or maybe, maybe if I didn't go on missions early, early this year, I would have said maybe last year. And it's because I went on missions also. To lead more to Jesus requires that his mission becomes our mission. His vision becomes our vision. His focus becomes our focus. It is when we lead others to Jesus that our purpose on earth is fulfilled and our redemptive potential is maximized. Tashina, as much as you can sing, my mother, as much as you can pray, Ruth, as much as you can prophesy, your purpose on earth will never be fully fulfilled and your potential will never be maximized until you lead others to Christ. In Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit will come upon the follower, his followers. They will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And the Holy Spirit will cause them to go and to be witnesses, and, to, and he gives them the power to lead others to Christ effectively. You and I can never achieve leading more persons to Christ without the presence of the Holy Spirit leading us. John 9, 4 tells us that there's an urgency in sharing the gospel. And John said, I must work the work of him that sent me while it is day. The night comes when no man can work. There is a time coming where you and I can do nothing. There is a time coming where we cannot share the gospel with no one. There is a time coming that our life on earth is ended and we cannot tell anyone about God. So where are you in learning to lead more persons to Jesus? Do you need to see improvement in your desire for persons to come to Christ? Do you need to, be, to, to see a greater desire so that you can share the gospel? Do you lack the drive to tell others about Christ? You may be serving in NLH, very important role you may play in NLH, but where is your faith? God is asking. Where are you in your relationship with God? Where are you in living up to God's standard? Where are you in your spiritual maturity? Where are you in your dependency on God rather than on yourself? Where are you in being fruitful? Where are you in evangelizing to advance the kingdom of God? Where are you in your need of development in your character? Where are you in trusting God for your spiritual, physical, and emotional healing? 
Adam was hiding because he felt naked and ashamed. Are you hiding because you feel naked? Are you hiding because you feel ill-equipped? Are you hiding because you need to be empowered? Are you hiding because you have no interest? The truth is, God is saying to us this morning, where are you? Because there is a purpose for us to individually fulfill and corporately fulfill. Where we are determines if we can accomplish the vision and the mission of God for NLH. You have a role. I have a role. And both of us will have to answer to God for our roles. If God calls NLH to give new life, it means that every single member and visitor of NLH are life givers. We do not give Tashina, it's not Tashina's responsibility. It's not the moderator's responsibility. It's not the preacher's responsibility. It's the responsibility of every member of NLH to give life. And so God is saying to you, where are you in giving life? Can you give the CPR needed this morning? Can you triage a patient this morning that is in need of life, that, that, is, that is an emergency and in need of life? Can you create the atmosphere at work, at home, on the road, wherever you are, for someone to experientially know God? Have you been using your potential so that others will come? to receive this new birth in Christ. Each segment of the mission statement is hinged on, on, the, on the other. We cannot maximize our potential unless the atmospheres are set for us to serve. We cannot fulfill our purposes unless we create that authentic and loving relationship in which to serve others and to be served. We cannot fulfill our redemptive potential until we experientially know Christ and learn to serve in authentic and loving relationships. We cannot lead more persons to Christ without yielding by faith to the Holy Spirit leading and learning to live like Jesus. And the question I started out with, I come back again to ask you, why is it important to know where you are? Is it that God wants you, wants to shed light on your spiritual condition? Is it that God wants to begin a conversation to draw you out from where you are? Is it that God wants you to identify and reflect on the proximity between your spiritual condition and his, and his standard? Does God want you to wrestle with the question where you are 
so that you can decipher the answer and be transformed by its truth. This morning, my sisters and my brother, this is what I hear God say to me, to share with you, his people. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you this morning? And he's not asking you about your physical location. Where are you emotionally? Where are you spiritually? Where are you? And so, Father, I thank you this morning for the question you asked, because that question caused me to reflect on where I am. Can I be used effectively by Christ? Can you trust me with your people, Father? Can you use me to minister to those who will have mucus and sores, God? Will, can you trust me, Father God, with those who, who are smelly and dirty? Can you trust me not to, to constantly be sanitizing myself around those who, in my estimation, are filled with germs, God? Can you trust me? Where am I emotionally? Where am I spiritually? Can I allow myself to be led by the Holy Spirit into areas where I con con consider not sanitized or unsanitized? Can I live like you, Jesus, wherever you go, you hug people because you are loving naturally and compassionate naturally? Or do I think that my love is, is partial as I heard the message of, of two or three weeks ago, that I partially extend my love to those I deem worthy? God, the truth is many have not been led to you because we have kept them at arm's length. Many have not heard about you because they have not been clean enough for us to tell. Many have not heard about you, Father, because there's something in our hearts that keep us separated from those you love the most. You're a lover of sinners, God. And so, Father, I this morning constantly still am at the place where I'm asking and checking, where am I in proximity to God's standards? Where am I in proximity to God's standard, the one who loves? Where am I in proximity to the one who gave his son to die so that this morning we can sit and talk about him? Where am I? Father, the truth is, I am far off. I am far off, God, and I am far off. And Lord, just being in Tanzania demonstrated for me that I am far off. But Lord, it's my desire to draw near. It's my desire, Father God, to live like you. It's my desire, Father God, to love like you. It's my desire, Father, to be led like you. And so, Father, I pray the same thing over my sisters and my brother this, this morning or afternoon. That, God, that our desire will to be that we will be led the way you are led, Jesus. That, Father, we will live the way Jesus lived. 
we will lead more to the, to the Father the way Jesus did. Because the scripture said, Father, God, there was no way that you did not go. There was no sickness that you did not heal unless it was not the Father's will. Father, I understand the importance of knowing where we are. Because it helps us, Father, to decipher, to decipher the truth. It reveals our hearts. It sheds light on our condition. And so, Father, I come this morning, afternoon, and I say, here we are, Father. Here we are. Thank you for bringing this thought, this question for us to reflect on. Father, may each day of our lives, God, we stop to recognize, we stop to identify, where am I? We give you thanks, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>